in the midst of this Advent season, we have been wrestling with a question. Is there any wonder in our waiting? We're all waiting for something, right? Waiting for hope, maybe, for some. Is there any wonder in our waiting? Let's bring it real down to what everybody's dealing with right now and then what you're walking through. Is there any wonder in your Christmas shopping? <laughs> Is there any wonder as you're waiting in line? Are you waiting in line? Are you shopping online? Are you, uh, are you noticing um, that this is a, a bit of a Karen Christmas? Have any of you met Karen? <laughs> Those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, there are a certain type of folks that act a certain way when they don't get their way at a store. Uh, look up Karen. It, it'll, be, it'll be fun. Later, not right now. In the midst of a Karen Christmas, in your Walmart, in your Target, in your Dollar General, is there wonder in your waiting? The last several weeks, we've just been looking at the Christmas story from different angles, looking at different people in the story and God's word. And we've asked these questions in the waiting. What are we choosing? in the midst of our waiting. We're all waiting for something. So in the midst of that, like, what are we choosing? Are you choosing worry? There's plenty of things to worry about. Are you, are you choosing worry? Are you choosing worship? Are you becoming prideful or full of praise? Are you choosing convenience or character, as we talked about last week with Joseph? Who likes to wait? Does anybody like to wait? No, not, you know, I ask a lot of raise your hand things. Not a single hand went up. That's the first time ever. Not a hand went up. Waiting is tough for almost all of us. And so our hope in this entire series is that as we all address the waiting, is that will we actually um, learn to either develop or strengthen a new posture of how to wait, because how we wait shapes who we become. It's building something in us. This past weekend, I want to share a story um, with you guys, uh, just, just blown away uh, and encouraged, because there was hundreds of kids that were waiting and wondering what their Christmas was going to look like uh, for over a decade now, right? <laughs> a little elf popped up right there. For over a decade, we have had the privilege uh, to offer a toy store for families that needed a little assistance each year, and this year was no different. And for lots of different reasons, uh, these families, they, they, they didn't know whether or not there was going to be much under the tree this year, but because of your generosity and your willingness to volunteer and give gifts we were able to serve 148 kids and 64 families in our community. Yeah, praise God. We were able to send them home with gifts and resources and food, and, and more so, I believe that we sent them home with hope. 
And, and if that wasn't enough, uh, after our toy store here on, on this campus, uh, a group of our volunteers, they, they packed up our truck and they went out to Hopeful Pastures and they went out there and took the toy store to them. And there we were able to serve an additional 26 foster families and 75 more kids. <laughs> Truly the church working right and bringing hope into the middle of challenge, in the middle of questioning, in the middle of waiting. And so for a whole lot of kids and families in the middle of waiting, I am certain that there is a little more hope and a little more wonder in their hearts this Christmas. Praise God. Thank you to all of you who gave gifts, generosity, whatever the, the gift was or the gift of time in your volunteering. Thank you for that. Today, as we go back to the Christmas story, specifically we're going to look at Jesus' mother, Mary. We're asking this question that I want us to wrestle with today. In the midst of your waiting, will you choose faith or fear? Faith or fear? What will you choose? Because uh, just like we're all waiting for something, we all have fears. Some of us are just a little more open and willing to share them. So much has been said about Mary, right? Uh, Mary is no stranger to history, to the limelight, the mother of Jesus. She's been called by lots of different names throughout history. Mary, mother of God, the Madonna throughout history and, and artwork. Uh, the Holy Mary, Virgin Mary, the Blessed Mother. Millions have prayed and still pray to specifically Mary. Maybe some of you grew up praying to Mary. If you did, say this with me if you know it. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is thy fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. How many times have some of you prayed, Hail Mary? <laughs> Hail Mary. How many Hail Marys were you given? <laughs> this took some of you back. <laughs> We've prayed to Mary. We sing about Mary, right? Uh, thousands of songs have been written about Mary over the course of history. Uh, one of those songs in particular gets played a lot this time of year. Uh, I don't know if you hear it, but it's in every store and every radio station. Uh, Mary, did you know? Uh, any, anybody hear that? Mary, did you know that your baby boy? Yeah, yeah, starting, right? I saw this online and I love this, right? Uh, watch this, right? Mary, did you know? Yeah, it's starting, go ahead. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. What do you think? Nope, no, just no, no. Please make it stop. <laughs> yep, kind of did. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I had no clue. Sarcasm. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to stop you right there. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful historic artwork, pictures of Mary. Mary, did you know? Well, I mean, you know, aside from the meme culture, let's find out. Did Mary know? Did Mary know what she was getting herself into? Let's look. Gospel of Luke. Chapter 1, verse 26. It starts like this. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Well, who's Elizabeth? Why do we care? Well, that's Mary's cousin, 
And she's, she's in the sixth month. She's, she's about to enter her, her third trimester. Um, and her baby will be John the Baptist. And so in, in, in that setting, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She, engaged, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. <laughs> You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. How many of you can be confused and disturbed? Just this morning. Uh, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean by all of this. Don't be afraid, Mary. Hmm. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel, and his kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, well, how can this be? I'm still a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative, Elizabeth, has become pregnant in her old age. That's shady. He didn't need to say she was old, okay? (laughs) That's just mean and downright. We all knew she was old. Didn't need to say that, Gabriel. Shame on you. Shady at Christmas time. But she was of a certain age, and she was pregnant, and people used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, and then... One of the most powerful and empowering lines in all of Scripture. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Some of you need to cling to that this week. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't read your email. I get your emails, but I don't read your emails. (laughs) See what I did there? (laughs) But some of you need to cling to that. Nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, no way, can't happen, I'm not doing it, I'm terrified, too much. No, she responded, I am the Lord's servant. May we all learn to respond like that when God calls. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Can you imagine this moment? I mean, aside from the supernatural element of it, which, you know, we are kind of overwhelmed by in media and movies and TV series we watch. That's, that's nothing new, the supernatural element. And let's go down to the brass tacks, the humanity of it. Can you imagine this moment? Let's make it really interesting. Um, if you have a daughter that uh, is a teenage daughter, raise your hand. All right, teenage daughter parents. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, right, yeah, sitting right next to you. Very good. All right, well, most scholars believe that at the time of the Annunciation, when, when you know, the angel Gabriel announced 
all this news to Mary, scholars believe that Mary was between the ages of 12 and 15 years old. So those of you who just raised your hand, who have a daughter in between the ages of 12 and 15, (laughs) think about that. How would you react, right? If your 12 to 15-year-old daughter uh, came to you and said, "Uh, Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant, but don't freak out. The baby's going to save the world, and the Father is the Holy Spirit. The Holy what? This is probably a different Holy something after that, right? Like, like, how would that go in in your house? Uh, Maybe for some of you it's not hard to believe because you've actually been in that situation. You've had a teen daughter in that. And so for you, it's not a what if. You've been there, maybe without the Holy Spirit part. Um, For some of you, that is one of your worst fears. (laughs) As as you are watching your child grow and and you know the world, you are fearful. I'll be honest, that's one of my greatest fears, being the father of a daughter. (laughs) Will I train her up right? to see herself as worthy, as a woman of dignity and character, to be valued. Man, and my daughter's beautiful, I'm terrified, right? I got my mug shot and my gun. (laughs) I'm already preparing it in my head, right? Like, I'll go back. Like, I mean, (laughs) I'll do a prison ministry. (laughs) Like, it's just like, like, what? It's one of my greatest fears. Just, you know, this is better than, uh, than it's cheaper than therapy. So, uh, yeah. What, what, are, what are some of your greatest fears? Like, what are you afraid of? Really? Like, shout them out. Uh, you know, what are some of your greatest fears? What are you afraid of? Oh, yeah. Wow. Tornadoes? I heard tornadoes. What else? Ah! <laughs> uh, yeah, I hate snakes. Hate them. Hate them. I hate snakes. Hate them. I rolled the dice and put that slide in there knowing somebody was going to say snakes. Because I hate them. Seriously, I hate snakes. I grew up and I had a traumatic experience continuing with the therapeutic session we're having here today. I had a like, serious, like not good experience with snakes. I was like 12, 13 years old. And, and, and man, so let's just go there. So I I was 12, 13 years old. I have an older brother. He worked at a, uh, a wildlife center at the park, and he cared for, like, animals and reptiles and all that stuff. And, and so he worked there, and one day while working, this big storm came, and a flood happened. And so, like, they're scrambling, trying to, like, save all the animals and all this stuff. And, and so they asked volunteers, like, hey, w- would you take some of the animals home with you and stuff to, you know, protect them overnight? Like, okay, great. Well, I, I, all this happened unbeknownst to me. All right, so I'm at my friend's house, I come home late, and I get home, and I'm thirsty, I'm like, I want a Coke, and so I go downstairs to our fridge, and I'm going downstairs into the basement, I open the fridge, and the light, I didn't turn on the lights, you know, because I know where I'm going, right? And so I, the, the light from the fridge, right, cascades out across the floor of the basement to reveal a sea of cages filled with snakes and reptiles. 
I dropped my Coke, I screamed like a little girl, I wet my pants, I ran to mom and dad. If I'm lying, mom and dad, tell them, mom, I know, put it in the chat, he's lying, because I'm not, all right? I went to them, I said, I don't know what I said, I'm sure it was disrespectful, I was like 12, 13 years old, like, how could you be, right? They told me to go to bed. How could I go to bed? There's no sleeping in that moment when it's wall to wall, your basement is filled with snakes, only filled with terror, okay? That was, I, yeah, that's my life, I, I, I love you, mom and dad. Thank you for allowing Mike to bring home snakes and for me to have nightmares for the rest of my life about snakes. Anybody else? Snakes? Say, so, yeah, snakes? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, mm hmm. You see in the news just, just a couple days ago in South Africa, right? In, 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 in like a, a, a house, they, were, they put up their Christmas tree, right? Yeah, you know where I'm going. They brought in a, a tree from the outside. They look it up at news, and, and, and they put up a tree, and they're like, oh, cool. They put the final, you know, trimmings and all the stuff on the tree, and the, something was moving. They're like, oh, we got a little critter in there, blah, blah, blah. Nope. Nope. What was it, a boom, boom, boom slang? Boom slang snake. Most poisonous, venomous snake in all South Africa in their tree. It came darting out. Just like, uh-uh, I'm dead, dead, dead. Not if that would happen to me, didn't need to get bit, just saw it, dead, dead. Went to Jesus, went to Jesus at the foot of Jesus at the manger, like done, done. Why in the world is he talking about snakes and Christmas? I know you're wondering. Well, allow me to connect those dots for you. You knew I'd connect the dots. So tell me, uh, according to biblical history, our enemy, the evil one, is most commonly referred to as which creature? The serpent, the snake. See, y'all who own snakes, there's something wrong with you. Something wrong with you, okay? If you own a snake, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an old-fashioned altar call right now. We're going to come forward. We're going to pray the demon away. going to fall out in the spirit like I don't... So, so here's the deal, right? Uh, so our enemy, uh, known as, you know, a serpent, a snake. So if you go back to Genesis, yeah, I'm going all the way back. Genesis. I want us to look at this moment where God, Adam and Eve, and a serpent walk into a garden. That's the start of a joke, right? <laughs> no. God... Adam and Eve and the enemy are in the garden, and there's this moment, there's this exchange where the enemy deceives Eve, sin enters the world, and I want you to look at this moment just through this lens of Christmas and all this stuff, and look at God's response because this moment points us back to Mary, Genesis 3. Verse 14, then the Lord God said to the serpent, he's talking to Satan, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals. He said it, God said it, not me. Evil snakes. Cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And God talking, and I will cause hostility between you, the enemy, and the woman. 
and between your offspring and her offspring. And he, the offspring, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Hang with me. For generations there will be tension and hostility between God, God's people, and evil. Good and evil. Between the children and offspring of Eve and our enemy, the evil one. Don't miss this. It's a really cool moment in verse 15. It's foreshadowing the birth and victory of Jesus Christ. There will be hostility between the enemy and the offspring of the woman, the woman that we're pointing to there. The text is pointing to thousands of years later to when there will be a new Eve, another name that Mary has been given. A new Eve who will give birth to Jesus Christ, a living hope, a new caretaker who will reign over all things, who through his birth, death, and resurrection will defeat all the powers of hell, even death itself. He, that offspring, Jesus Christ, will crush your head and you will strike his heel, right? The enemy will try to take Jesus out, try to tempt him, right, by nipping at his heels, but the offspring of Mary, Jesus, Jesus will rise up to crush the serpent's head. Listen. Somebody uh, needs to hear this next statement because it was one of those, like, as I'm writing, I was like, ooh, John, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like it when you know, like, ooh, something's happening right now in a good way. Somebody needs to hear this. Um, Someone's in a season right now where you're fearing the unknown and you are, are being tempted by the enemy. And the enemy is trying to use this season to discourage you, to distract you, and manipulate your heart, and you're on the verge of giving up and doing something dumb. Listen, you don't need to live in fear of someone who has already been defeated. We don't fight for victory for whatever evil is in front of us. We fight from victory. The battle's already won. You know, we, we sing that song, this is how I fight my battles. I'm not fighting my battles, all right? I, he won the battle. I'm already proclaiming victory in him, all right? Because the enemy is a sore loser with a loud mouth. You ever know those people? You know, like you can beat them at a game and like they just run their mouth, you know, like those, like they just little punks. Little punks like to run their mouth like they know it all, right? Oh, man, I love playing basketball with them. Oh, especially now. I play basketball sometimes on Tuesdays with these young bloods. You know, the middle school, high school kids, they don't know what to do with a 43-year-old man who can still ball. They just look like, what? Yeah, I just moved that fast on you. Yeah, but they run their mouth. You know anybody like this? Like, listen, just because the enemy's voice is loud doesn't mean it's true. Okay? And some of you, has got, you've got the volume turned up on the enemy's voice and not the truth. The enemy has been defeated. Listen, if Jesus is your Lord and leader, and I pray that he is, the battle's already won. Stop living your life otherwise. Too many people are living downcast, walking around like you don't have power. Stop walking around like you don't have answers. 
Hold your head high. You don't live by that spirit of fear. Right? 2 Timothy 1.7, it says this, like, for God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of self-control. That is the spirit of God at work in us. Too often, too many of us are walking through life with this spirit of fear, this cloud hanging over our head, and it is crippling us, and it is crippling our next generation because we're not calling it out for what it is. Too many of us are walking around with this fear of rejection or fear of the unknown or fear of disappointment or fear of failure. Like, what, what, what is it really? What is the fear that really is, is hanging over your head? You're, you're allowing it to sit there. Is it a fear of finances? Fear of, fear of not making it? Fear of, of not being enough? Fear, fear of success? Some people are so f- fearful of success that they don't try. The, the, I, if I could, they don't even try because they're fearful of what could happen. Is it fear of not having enough or having too much or fear of missing out, fear of snakes, fear of clowns? Like whatever it is, it is time to faith your fears. No, I do not have a lisp. I said faith your fears. It is time to faith your fears. Like some of you are like, did that passage just say it's time to faith your fears? Like Daffy Duck or something, right? Did he say faith your fears? That passage said faith your fears. That's ridiculous. Some of you are wondering how long he's going to talk like that. I I could do the whole thing like this. It's like, if I go up a little higher, it'd be like Mike Tyson. (laughs) Time to face your fears. And then Butter Douglas, he knocked me in the mouth. (laughs) That's nowhere in my notes. Sorry, Mike, I saw you fell out right there. (sighs) I got slain in the spirit over there. Sorry. It's time to faith your fears. Really, for all of us, it's time we start faithing our fears. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not going to face my fears because my fears Face, to face my fears means I'm going to elevate my fears. My fears are beneath me. To face my fears means it's on my level. It's eye to eye. And I'm not going to give my fears the authority to meet me eye to eye. I'm going to keep it where it belongs, beneath me, because my fear is a byproduct of the enemy. And the enemy is under my foot. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to elevate something that comes from someone that God has already crushed by his heel, right? Your fear is under you, so do not allow it to have control over you. It is time to faith your fears. God, I got this thing that I'm up against, but I know you're a God who is bigger than anything I stand in front of. So take care of it. I'm trusting in you. I'm standing on your promises and your authority. I will not live with a spirit of fear and timidity. What are you up against? 
What is your fear? What are you afraid of? You do not have to live with a spirit of fear, but of power. It's time to reclaim that. Of love. I mean, go back to Mary. It's not like Mary didn't have anything to lose. It's not like Mary had it all together and she was set up. She wasn't a Kardashian. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I'm having a baby. Oh, my gosh. Think about it. She had so many fears. Of course she did. When the angel appeared to her, what's the first, one of the first things that the angel said? Hey, don't be afraid. Right? Of course she had fears. Off the bat, she's young, poor, and female. And in that day and age, all those characteristics would have placed her at the bottom rung of society. Now, let's add to that a little nuance of being unmarried, Middle Eastern, pregnant teenage girl. Would have been rejected by her family and society. If Joseph doesn't claim her as like, hey, that's my bride, even though... Like, then she would have remained unmarried for life. Typically, she would have been then forced into either prostitution or begging to survive. And BT dubs, she would have been running the risk of being stoned to death. Especially the moment she says, like, who's the daddy? Oh, the daddy is by way of the Holy Spirit. She would have been labeled as crazy or demon-possessed. So amidst all of that, of what she's up against, Right? In the midst of of that type of persecution, potential rejection, risk of death, that's her reality. Fears, absolutely. Even though she has questions and concerns, she was not crippled by her fear. She chose obedience and faith in the face of fear, right? Luke, Luke 138, she responded, what? I'm terrified. Don't ask me to do that. No way. How, how's that going to work out? What are the details? How's it going to play out? Can you give me, forecast me a plan, a 12-month plan and strategy of how this will all work out in favor of me? No, she said, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you say come true. In the midst of fear, the unknown, the unexpected. See, our character is revealed when we faith our fears. We see what we're made of. To faith your fears, it may mean that you will be rejected and seen as an outcast. Some of you in school, you know exactly what this looks like to stand up for a faith in the midst of ridicule. For some, it goes deeper than that. For some, it's a little more costly. To faith your fears may mean that you will lose your job, but only to find your purpose. To faith your fears may find yourself a stranger in a distant land, like Mary and Joseph. Faith in their Fears. It may find you halfway across the world to faith your fears. It may find you in Cleves, Ohio to faith your fears. 
To face your fears does not mean that you're not going to walk through challenging times. It doesn't mean that you're not going to walk through the, the deepest, darkest valley and the darkest nights. It means, though, even in the deepest valley and the darkest nights, that you will not be alone, that you will be comforted and protected, that God's goodness and mercy will pursue you to the point of it will tackle you to the ground and give you rest if you won't give yourself rest because that's how much he loves you. Some of you are wondering why you got put on the bench. It's because God tackled you to the ground to give you rest. Because that's his goodness and his mercy. He needs you to slow down. Faith in your fears means that even in the face of your fears and your frustrations and your failures, that you will choose obedience that you will be resolute in your faith, that you'll find peace and strength. Jesus knew we would be in the battle, in, in, in the midst of all these fears. He said it, John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this. He says, I've done all that I've done and I've said all that I've said so that you may have peace in me. Because here on earth, you are going to go through it. He says it like you're going to face many trials and sorrows. You're going to go through it. And some of you are going through it. In this life, there will be mountains. That you think there is no way to get to the summit. As a mountain climber, I tell my son all the time when I show him pictures of these mountains that Kelly and I climb. He goes, how do you get to the top? That's like 19,000 feet. How do you get? One step at a time. I can't look at the whole big thing. I got to look at can I make one step. That's how I'll get to the top. In this life, you'll have mountains. You'll have giants. There's going to be seasons of life, and some of you are there right now where life is trying to just knock the wind out of you, where it's trying to just pull you back and shrink you back in fear, but take heart, Jesus says, because I have overcome the world, and guess what? If he's your Lord and leader, that I now lives in you. That same power that, that, that he had that rose him from the dead now lives in you. That power is in you. Take heart. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. Have faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I know it's hard. I know you got questions. How's it all gonna work out? This isn't adding up. Be responsible, yeah, but have faith. What's it look like for you to faith your fears this week? Really? Tangibly, I, again, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I do know what some of you are going through because you tell me. 
What is one area of your life that it is time to face your fear? Is it reconciliation with a son or a daughter? You've been putting that off with so many fears, so many doubts, so many worries. It's time to faith that fear. Is it coming like this week? Like it, you're like, you have anxiety just thinking about who is coming to your house this week. Maybe it's time to faith that fear. I didn't say in-laws. <laughs> you said in-laws. Is there someone that's going to be gathered around your table that you really need to, to have a moment with? You know... Maybe not your family, but my family. Like, when you gather everybody together, there's all sorts of different backgrounds and belief systems and structures, and they watch differently, they listen differently, they love differently, they, they pray differently, they believe differently. Like, will you, what kind of environment will, will you bring faith to the table or fear? Will you bring love? to the table, a spirit of love, of self-control, <laughs> we do not live by a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. Will you bring that to the table? In the midst of the last minute shopping, you're trying to say, do they really need another... <laughs> in the midst of financial stress, in the midst of worry? How can we lean into the substance of things hoped for? What is the one thing this week, the one fear that you will put beneath you by taking a step of obedience, like Mary, in faith, It's real simple. I'm inviting you to not be afraid. I'm inviting you to faith your fears. So, Father, I very simply just come before you as your servant. And I, first I just say thank you. Father, you have done enough. Thank you for giving us power. Father, help all of us to not put that power in our back pocket, but to live with a sense and spirit of power and love and self-control. Help us to faith our fears, whatever they may be, in the laundry list that is in front of us. Let us be bold because of you. Father, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.